Welcome back to the All in the Homeschool Day podcast, where we talk about all things related to homeschooling to help you homeschool with confidence and joy. In today's episode, we'll be talking about a common struggle parents have. How do I keep my child focused on his lessons? I know it's a big challenge when our children are supposed to be doing their lessons and we catch them staring off into space or they're dawdling through their lessons and just really not giving their full attention to the task at hand. So what are you supposed to do? In this episode, I will share with you the nine things I do in our homeschool to help my children focus. So the first thing that we do is that we talk about what it means to stay focused. If you've never had this conversation with your child, then for you to say, pay attention, stay focused, they may not even know what that means, what that looks like. So talk about that. In our home, what we've talked about is that being focused or being attentive means to attend to the task at hand with all of your effort. And then I expand on this. I say, I want you to to focus on just this and not think about other things, not think about what you want to be doing, not think about all the, the games that you could play, the stories that you could tell. I want your full attention, every part of you to Be focused on what you're doing right now. Even though I had talked about this for years, literally from the very beginning of our homeschool journey in kindergarten, it wasn't until ninth grade that my daughter finally realized what this meant. I had said this in many different ways, in many different situations, different settings, and she finally realized, she said, oh, so school thoughts belong to school time and other thoughts belong to free time. And I said, yes, that's exactly it. She finally understood that concept. Now, feel free to use that analogy of hers if that helps your child. It could be that I just wasn't saying it in the way she needed to hear it. It could be that it just took that long for it to finally sink in and for her to understand it. She was attentive during school time before she made this realization, but this realization really helped her to take ownership of staying focused during school time. So talk about it. And Definitely talk about the reward of finishing. One thing that I made sure to point out is if you don't finish your lessons, then you have to finish them after school time when I'm not available to help. If you finish your lesson before the time that we have scheduled for it, you get to go play. So maybe I have scheduled 15 minutes for them to do their copy work and they actually complete that in seven minutes. Well, if we're ahead of schedule and they get done early, they can go do whatever they want with for that those next seven minutes. Now, I do put some parameters on it. I make sure it's things they, that I can pull them back from. It's not something they're going to get super involved in and they won't want to stop. We talk about appropriate things they can do if they finish early. So they know that if they stay focused and they get finished, they can move on. A lot of times I have had them say, it's okay, I don't want to take that break right now. I'm just going to go get a drink and then I want to start my next lesson because they would rather have a longer stretch of time now as older students in the afternoons than to just take those little breaks in the morning. But when they were younger and in elementary school, they really wanted those break times to be able to go play. 
and to maybe go out on the swing set for a little while. So talk about the reward of finishing early. When you stay focused, you can finish and then you can go do what's fun. The next couple of tips relate to creating that atmosphere in your home and your homeschool to help your child focus. And one of those is to reduce distractions. So if your child is old enough to have a cell phone, make sure that it stays in a central location, that they're not checking their phone. They're not being distracted by what's going on, whether it's messages or there's some game they like to play. Make sure they're not getting distracted by the phone. And the same goes for you too. We talked in the last episode about getting your child to respect you. And one of those is to be attentive. And so I have notifications turned off on my phone except for text messages and phone calls. I keep my phone on silent. I try to stay off of it and not check it during lesson time. And, you know, we're all human. We go through phases where I realize oh, I'm checking my phone way too often. I need to put it down. So I will leave it by the kitchen sink and not uh, not check it until we're done with lessons. Or I might check it every hour and not check it in between. Whatever you need to do to make sure that you're not creating a distraction so that your child can focus on lessons is important. Try to limit the noise and clutter that's around. Some children are unable to focus if there's a lot of noise or clutter. If you have an auditory learner, they may need to have it quiet. You may need to find a way for them to have a quiet space to learn or to have some noise-canceling headphones. If you have a visual learner, you may need to work on the clutter around them. You may need to have their desk clear or have them work at the kitchen table and make sure that the kitchen is cleaned up. I have two very different learners and they have very different needs. So they're often in a different room. One's working at her neat and tidy desk while the other one's working in the kitchen. And her desk is not so neat and tidy. And they're actually both visual learners, but they have different needs in terms of what they see in front of them. If your child is constantly wanting to go read a book or play with toys or play a game, you may need to have those in a different room so that they don't see those and they're not tempted to go play. Think about what is it that's distracting your child so that you can reduce those distractions. I also try to limit my children's screen time outside of school because that has been shown Uh, by research to reduce our ability to pay attention. So think about what your children are doing outside of school time and how that might be affecting what they're doing during school time. The next thing you can do in creating that atmosphere is to meet unmet needs. So think about, is your child hungry? Is your child tired? Are there learning issues that you need to address? What is going on that might be affecting their ability to pay attention? And then meet those needs. Make sure your children have a healthy breakfast that has some protein and some fat and some carbs. Make sure it's that well-rounded breakfast. Work on making sure they have enough sleep that can you adjust your evening routine so they can get in bed earlier or do you need to start school a little later to accommodate your schedule? Make sure that you are setting them up for success before they even get started. 
The next three things relate specifically to your lessons. Your child is more likely to pay attention to lessons if lessons are interesting. If they're reading a textbook, okay, I fall asleep reading a textbook. It, it's just not that interesting. So I try to make sure that they have living books to read, that whatever resources we're using are interesting. I try to mix things up a little bit. So instead of having them do multiple readings back to back, I provide them a change of brain function. And we might do a reading and then do something that requires some writing. Then we might do another reading. Then we might do a math lesson. So I try to mix up what they're doing so that their brain is getting some variety and can stay focused. I also keep lessons short. I'll put this in the show notes for you. But A general guideline that I try to follow is 10 to 20 minutes for first through third grade, 20 to 30 minutes for grades four through six, 20 to 45 minutes for grades seven through nine, and 30 to 45 minutes for grades 10 through 12. And each individual lesson, I try to keep within that time frame because that is their ability to focus. Now, if you're just starting out, you have a younger one, or you've pulled your child out of school and you're starting with an older child, you may need to work up to these times. These are just suggestions. Use your child as your guide. So if your child can only focus for five minutes at a time, but he gives you your his full attention during those five minutes, go with it. Take a break after those five minutes. And then over the course of several weeks to several months, depending on, on your child's age, increase that. So say, you know what? You've been doing really well giving me your full attention for five minutes for this lesson. Let's see if we can do six minutes today and just keep increasing it until you get to those recommended timeframes. And recognize that if your child has learning challenges, you may need to have different expectations. Your child may not get to these recommended times and that's okay. But Help your child to work up to his level of ability to pay attention. Now, after those short lessons, take a break. With your younger ones, you may need to take a break after every lesson. With your older ones, you may need you may be able to take a break every couple of lessons. So let's say your high schooler has two 30-minute lesson blocks. Well, they could probably work through both of those and then take a slightly longer break. Be sure they're getting up and they're moving. Um, Have them go get a drink. Maybe provide a snack during one of the breaks. Encourage them to do things that change their brain function and that allow their brain to get a break. So things that we have done, we really enjoy using the Ultimate Guide to Brain Breaks because I don't have to think about what to tell them to do. And I'll leave a link for you in the show notes of how you can get your own copy of that. She provides... a bunch of suggestions that you can just pull a card out of the jar and go and do that activity. Other things we've done include taking the dog out to check the mail or going out and running around the yard, running around the house, maybe uh, playing basketball for just a few minutes, playing balloon volleyball for a break. Even my high schoolers sometimes will take a balloon volleyball break because it's fun. It's something to get their blood pumping. Uh, The Thing they do right now. So I currently have a seventh and 10th grader and 
when they start getting tired, when they're working on their lessons and they cannot stay focused and they just say, oh, I'm just so tired. I can't even think. I say, get up and move. And so they will go run up and down the stairs. They will just literally run up and then down three or four times. That gets their brain, their blood pumping. It gets them awake and active. And then they can come back and they can focus. So we've worked on this for so many years. It has become just, that is just what we do, that they are now doing that on their own. They're recognizing it on their own. And sometimes I'll hear them running up and down the stairs and I'll think, yep, it was time for a break. So help your children learn how to do this. And you will need to guide them in the beginning and then work on transitioning that over as their responsibility to be able to do it. Make sure that what they're doing for a break actually does provide a brain break or a blood pumping break, not something like reading a different book or checking their phone or doing something that's not really providing a break, it's just something that they want to do. To help you keep track of the lesson times, use timers. Our favorite timer is the time timer. It's a visual timer in that there is a red dial that decreases. So you can see exactly how long you have left on your timer. It works actually much better for us than those kitchen timers you can buy. I have gone through so many different timers trying to find the right one. The kitchen timers, the the beeping for every minute as you said it about drove me crazy. They never lasted very long and they were so loud. So with the time timers, I like that you can see how much time you have left. It's not just this number ticking down. For your younger children, that's really helpful. Even for me as an adult, I like being able, I set that when I'm working and I like being able to see how much time I have left. It motivates me to, oh, you know, I'm about out of time. I need to really focus. You can also turn the alarm, the sound off. So if you're in a situation where you need to work for that time, maybe you have another child napping or you're in in a place where you need to be quieter, you can turn the sound off and you'll still see the time tick down, but it won't actually make make the beeping. Uh, When my children were younger, I would set the timer whenever I was reading to them or helping them with their math lesson or whatever it was we needed to do, we kept track of time that way. Now that they're older, they have their own timers and they set them for their lessons. Sometimes I have to remind them, did you set a timer for this? And because it's, they're still a, creating that habit to remember to set it. But they like using the timers because they know, oh, I work for this amount of time and then I can move on. We actually use timers outside of school time also because it helps us to keep track of our days and uh, we use it when we're working on chores or if we're working on other projects or maybe we want to goof off and watch a video or play a game online or whatever it is that we want to do but we don't want to lose track of time, we will use those timers in that setting. The next tip is to know your child's learning style. If your child is a kinesthetic learner, particularly, they need to move in order to stay focused. If you don't know your child's learning style, I'll leave a link to a post 
where you can see common attributes for the three primary learning modalities or learning styles and kind of see where your child fits on that and find tips for how to structure your homeschool and your lessons to help your child learn in the way that he learns best. And our kinesthetic learners especially need that movement. They literally need to move in order to learn or to process. And things that we have done are to provide tactile stimulation. I have one child who is definitely a kinesthetic learner. She processes things through movement. And so we have often sat on an exercise ball. There was a time that we had three exercise balls in our schoolroom. At any given time, one or all three of us might be sitting on the exercise ball instead of a chair. This allowed us to move without being a distraction. Um, I remember a time that my daughter was narrating her term exams to me, and I was typing at my computer, so I was transcribing what she was saying as she was narrating and she was literally bouncing up and down on the ball. So it provides them a way to move but in a controlled fashion. Having a stability disc can be helpful for children who just need to wiggle a little bit in their seat. You can use things like thinking putty. We really like Aaron's thinking putty or kinetic sand or Play-Doh to allow them to do something with their hands while you're reading to them or while they are narrating to you. Uh, We've done things like coloring or working on puzzles or doing handicrafts such as finger knitting or crocheting or regular knitting, things that they can keep their hands moving but are not a distraction. And it is important to help them learn how to do this without being a distraction. One of my, my daughter who is that kinesthetic learner is... At now as a teen, trying to find ways that she can move but not be a distraction. And that's hard because a lot of things we do with our hands are big movements and that can distract others who need that limited uh, visual field in order for them to, to focus. So we actually just ordered her a knuckle bones, which is, it's basically like being able to to play with a pin and twirl that through your fingers, but it's a smaller piece that is not quite as distracting. And we're hoping that that will help her to do something quietly and below the field of vision for when she is out around other people so that she doesn't distract them. Now, finally, you will probably need to help your child develop this skill. They will not be able to focus and to attend right away. It's a skill that we have to learn and develop. Think of it like a habit and you need to train your child. So we talked the very first thing about talking with them about what it means to be focused. And then all these other tips to help you provide that atmosphere and provide the guidance that they need But I want to wrap this up by coming back to providing gentle reminders. After you've talked about what it means and used these words, then you can use these reminders to help them. So I would say things such as focus, one word sentence, just focus. Or I might say, are you focusing or are you attending to your work? I might need to say, don't dawdle. Let's get our work done so that you can have some free time. 
Or do you need to change the channel of your thoughts like a TV channel? And do you need to refocus on your school lessons? So these gentle reminders are not nagging, but they are a way to help your child bring his thoughts back to what he's supposed to be doing so that he can focus and can get done. It is possible to help your child focus on his lessons, but it will take some training and some effort on your part and your child's part. So work together as a team and help him build the skill of paying attention and being attentive. I would encourage you to choose just one of these strategies that you can apply in your homeschool this week and see how that helps your child to attend to his lessons. If you have some friends who would benefit from hearing this episode, I would really encourage you to share it with them. Let them know about it so that they can help their children focus too. Until next time, have a triumphant day.